to the 30th episode of Rising Tide, the Ocean Podcast. Today we're talking with the Imperfect Conservationists, which is the title of Megan Haney Greer's latest endeavor. Megan's also a record-holding free diver, member of the Women Divers Hall of Fame, and has a varied entertainment and adventure career from starring in the Discovery Channel's Treasure Quest Snake Island to stunt diving for Pirates of the Caribbean. She's also one of those super moms with multiple degrees, including in evolutionary biology. Uh, oh yeah, I'm still David Helvard, my co-host Vicki Nichols Goldstein. So uh, Vicki, uh-huh. you've, known, you've known Megan the longest. Why don't you start with an opening uh, question here? Yeah, well, thank you, Megan, for joining us. And it's great to be here. Um, Megan, you pretty much made free diving more of a household name. Tell us how you got into it and uh, what your accomplishments are. Yeah, absolutely. So my accomplishments in freediving stem all the way back to the mid-1990s, so dating myself. I was so young, right, when I started. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and I I established, in 1996, I established the first freedive record for men and women in the United States in the constant weight category. So freediving, for anybody listening that may not know, is gauged by the category I was competing in, constant weight category gauged by depth, whatever weight you bring down, you have to bring back up. And of course it's on one breath of air. And so my first dive was 155 feet. The next year I bettered my own record uh, to 165 feet. And then I veered off into uh, an eclectic mix of other water-based, you know, adventures and, and career paths and things like that. But yeah, my, um, my free dive record back then really, you know, it was, it was considered very much a, you know, an extreme daredevil stunt type of thing. And it's to look back, you know, at, at the past couple decades and watching the evolution of freediving in particular here in the United States, it has just come so far where it is a household understood, you know, sport and recreation And um, there's multiple competitions held all over the world every year now. You can get a certification from the major certification agencies to be a freediver or a freedive instructor. And I mean, you can even buy freedive gear in most dive shops and online stores and in women's sizing. That (laughs) was unheard of back then. So, And and that was great that you... You brought it into the state so women weren't excluded at the front end like has happened with surfing and so many other water sports. But I still got to ask a question about your record in particular, which is I associate weights tied to bodies being dropped into the ocean with mob. What? Why would you carry a weight down knowing you have to lug it back up to the surface? Right. Well, that's a, that's a great question. So you definitely, it's a precise science, right? You need to get your weight right. Uh, for your BMI, for for where your buoyancy breaking point will be. So in other words, as you go down and your body is starting to compress, all the air spaces in your body start to compress, of course, with the pressure as you go down atmospheres in the water, there will come a point, mine's about like, you know, between 30 or 40 feet, where I start becoming negatively buoyant. So at that point, the, the weight that I would wear, and usually, I mean, with that, you know, if I'm just in a bathing suit and free diving, I usually wear around like three pounds 
um, of weight. And so it's not like some, you know, 30 pound weight or something. There are other categories called variable weight and no limits diving where you take a weighted sled down and drop that and ride an airbag back or swim back. So there's other categories, but for this constant weight, it is constant weight the whole time. And that will at the very surface <clears throat> down to, excuse me, whatever. Yeah. So at the very surface, whatever, uh, let's see, how can I, so the weight at the very surface, when you start going down, it aids you uh, getting down to that point where your buoyancy, you know, your buoyancy breaking point. And then um, it does kind of, it helps you sink faster, but it does then become this extra challenge on the way back up. But again, it's finding that right weight for you. And that's really only for competitive diving. Like if I'm out at the reef and things like that, I keep my weight light, but I always do wear it because it helps me adjust my buoyancy, just like in scuba diving. I've got it down to, you know, after so many years and everything down to a science to just hover there right over the reef where I want to be and all of that, so. And for people trying to figure out the pleasure element here and what you're discussing, gives you more time to free dive on your own and hang out with the fishes and the reefs. And this project, it's- Yep. Well, give us a couple of examples. You know, really the biggest benefit to free diving and for me is just getting that bit of extra bottom time and being able to, you know, be silent down there yourself and just listen to the hum of the ocean and watch the, the reef creatures, you know, kind of just like the whole environment just unfolds around you because you're not making the extra bubble noise and, you know, clanking tanks and things like that. It's just really incredible way to melt into your surroundings. And, and it feels amazing too. It's like, you can stretch your lungs out like a, like a muscle kind of as you go. And, and it's just, uh, yeah, there's nothing like free diving. It's incredible. If you haven't tried it, anyone out there listening, I encourage you after I did my records and the media attention, uh, you know, was given to the, to that, uh, those record attempts, I started doing a lot of underwater modeling. And in that I connected with Peter Zuccarini and we started doing under different underwater commercials together and things like that. He would reach out and, and with various jobs that would come up for him and bring me on board. And that, and so I started meeting all of the Marine crew, which, you know, you guys can attest to this, but in like the Marine conservation world, it's very connected, even though it's spread all over the world. Like we always have people in common that, you know, we didn't even know that the other one knew and that type of thing. And, and uh, it's so connected in that way too, for the underwater Marine crews for filming and, and uh, you know, television and films. And so I actually got uh, an emergency call. My manager got an emergency call from the director, Gore Verbinski, who I didn't know and she didn't know, but we got, and he said, hey, we're down here in uh, in St. Vincent and we're filming this, this movie coming up called The Pirates of the Caribbean. And we didn't know what it was yet, right? It hadn't come out. So who, who knew at that time what it was going to turn into? And he said, yeah. And so everybody, we had an, an issue with our, our um, stunt person who is doubling the leading lady, Kira Knightley. And she was going to do the underwater 
stunts as well, but turns out that's not going to work out. And we need uh, Megan here tomorrow if she's willing. <laughs> so she said, everybody in the Marine crew is saying, you got to get this Megan person down here. So I don't know, Megan, but it sounds like we need her here if she's willing to come down. And so I had to send him a picture of my hair to make sure it would match closely enough to Kira Knightley's. And the next morning at 7 a.m., I was on a flight down to the Caribbean. And it was, I mean, what an incredible experience. That was my first actual like big film job for, uh, for stunt diving. I had done acting and, and all sorts of different things before that, but this was my big first, you know, film stunt diving job. And what, what a heck of a job to come on to, you know, the set, I get there and everything's just larger than life. It's Disney, you know, and, and there's, um, two and a half or whatever black pearls, the big ships, you know, because they have to do them in varying sizes and shapes so they can get all the shots they need and stuff. And it was just incredible. And it was wonderful to see all the Marine crew, the guys that I had been working with on other commercials and stuff like that over, you know, over the past years doing other stuff for television and commercials. But yeah, so it, and, I, it was just incredible. The scene, so the particular scene that people would recognize um, that really stands out is in the first film where Kira Knightley, so Elizabeth Swan, she plays in the film, gets a proposal from the guy she's not really into, you know, and so she gets a proposal from him and she's wearing the corset and all this stuff and it was, you know, too tight. I think in the film they cinch it too tight uh, as part of the story and she can't get a deep breath kind of thing and and she uh, gets the marriage proposal and kind of faints and then falls backwards off the cliff and she sinks. And then uh, Jack Sparrow, uh, the Johnny Depp's character, he, he swims down and rescues her. So it's that scene where, uh, and, and I can say that corsets and uh, all those things are very hard to free dive in. <laughs> hard to get a deep breath that way. Give us a little background on what Treasure Quest Snake Island was that Discovery Island put out there. I mean, Discovery Channel. Yeah, absolutely. So Snake I Treasure Quest Snake Island is a television series that was on Discovery Channel and they did three seasons of it. I went on the first two expeditions. And so those were covered in season one and season two of Treasure Quest. And uh the first one, the, the first expedition, we did go down to Snake Island, which is Cape Mata Grange, which is down about, oh, let's see, I think it's about 30 miles off of the coast of Brazil. So we were down in South America in different areas of Brazil and then ended up on Snake Island. And it's like the title says, Treasure Quest. So we were following clues and kind of these breadcrumbs leading to uh, the treasure of the Trinity, which there's a lot of legend and, and, and stories around. Um, and there was a team of five of us plus production. So we weren't the, you know, the most nimble and speedy moving group, but it was, um, it was an incredible experience. Each expedition was both were in South America and each expedition was about three and a half months that we were down there. Uh, and what was the treasure you were searching for? To treasure the Trinity. And there's a lot of legend and folklore and stories and, and all of that, but it, it crossed, you know, it, it passed hands many times throughout history. And, and a lot of it, uh, you know, it stems back from uh, the Inca and then the Portuguese and then the Jesuits. And they were masterful uh, in their 
deceit kind of where they would send you in the wrong direction. A lot of times they would, they had a lot of codes and a lot of um, kind of secret society in that way. There was some stolen ink and gold that somebody. Oh man, all treasures were stolen from somewhere at some point. They're never. It was buried by somebody allegedly on this island. Right. It, that's where, where it all kind of started out. Yes. And it's funny. I've been watching that recently um, with my son because when it came out, he was little, he was like two and three years old. And so he doesn't remember watching it with us back then when it first came out. And so he's really into it now at eight years old. He's like, oh, you know, and he's like, oh, I'm, mom, I'm so worried. And I'm like, buddy, spoiler alert. I make it. I'm here. It's all good. He's like, hey, good, good. So briefly, what was your experience um, in the episodes you were involved in? What what were you supposed to be doing and what did... What actually happened? (laughs) What were we supposed to... What was the plan and what actually happened? That's how those things usually go. Well, I was brought on board for as dive master uh, to basically run the search and discovery dives and as a safety and logistics coordinator for the dive crew and working with all the different, you know, branches of our production. And so that's, that was my role. I, on the team and, and in the show, I'm myself, all of us were and are, and yeah, just, you know, we all were on land trekking as well. And whenever there were dive involved things, I would put the dives together and run those. And um, yeah. And it, I mean, you, you know, plan your dive, dive your plan. And then there's, you know, actually working out in the field so things would would constantly go awry what was that was was the treasure found or does mystery remain oh mystery remains and i'm not actually allowed to talk about anything as those things go you know what do they say like if i told you i'd have to kill you no not right the old pirate code right yeah, but I, I, so there, I mean, okay, so here's the other thing, like, it's television, don't forget that. So like, what actually comes out, there's, you know, they always, it's, it's also entertainment. So there were, you know, the elements of it, and and we're down there, and we're doing our thing, and they're filming it, and it's going along as it goes along. And, and then they, they do their own thing too in post-production to you know make it really dramatized with the music and the graphics and all that stuff but but uh but yeah it was an incredible experience a big learning experience for me as well and um yeah and I mean I'm I'm very glad to be alive and have made it off of Snake Island in particular and all the other array of of dramas that we had to see our way through and And you did get a snake bite which was really great yeah, that would have been uh, game over if anybody had gotten bitten. And I, I will say that it is nothing short of a miracle that somebody didn't perish on Snake Island. Because <laughs> it, it really is snaky. It's incredibly snaky. And it turns out I do not. I can spot an alligator underwater in the murky, dark black swamp where I did all my gator diving from, you know, Man, from 20 feet away, I can still spot a gator. I can't spot a snake to like literally save my life. It's wonderfully named, the imperfect conservationist, because none of us get it right all of the time. Um, Ever. We yeah. did, and when we did 50 Ways to Save the Ocean, it's a, a book that talks about, you know, we sometimes, as you say, get the sense of being overwhelmed. How can we 
stop climate change or reverse the collapse of marine wildlife? And the answer is everything you do every day has an impact around you. But just Wonderful. give us a couple of tips right now. Absolutely. So a couple of my my first episodes that people will be able to go check out on my YouTube channel. Uh, and you can just go there and, and type in The Imperfect Conservationist or my name, Megan Haney Greer, and it'll take you there. Uh, you know, one of them is I, I was running into this problem where even for us that really want to make a difference, I always forget my shopping bags, my reusable shopping bags in the car. And then I'm just like, ah, oh, you know, and I have my kiddo with me or whatever, or I'm in a hurry or, and I, I don't feel like ditching my cart because God forbid somebody actually go start putting my stuff back away after grocery shopping. But also I, I, you know, feel in a hurry and don't want to run out to the car to get them. So what happened was one time I just was like, oh my gosh, just forget it. I'm going to ring up my groceries. And I just started, I was like, no, 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 skip the bag. Thank you. And I just started putting them back in the cart. And I've termed this car bagging. And so, you know, that is something, it literally just takes you like an extra minute maybe at the car where you're bagging them in the car or even sometimes my bags because I'll wash them or whatever will end up getting left at home. And I literally just put them in the back of my of my um, SUV, you know, so then I'm putting them in there instead of getting more plastic bags. And, and uh, the best part of this is that what happened in, in this experience, and it's happened many times since that, that first time, but I had somebody at the next register, like looking at me very strangely, you know, as I'm doing this, like just skipping the bag and putting my stuff back in my cart. And I just was like, oh yeah, I, I, you know, forgot my bags again. And I'm just not bringing any more of those home. I'm just can't do it. You know? And she's like, I never thought of that. That is an awesome idea. And she had her cart full of plastic bags, you know, already, but she was, mad at herself feeling kind of the same thing. She was like, I don't want to take these bags home, but I forgot my bags. What do I do? And she said, I'm totally going to do that the next time that I forget my bags. It's like such a no brainer. And so many of the things in the imperfect conservationist that I'm, that I'm really just delivering are these bite-sized easy things, kind of the, the palm to the forehead, like, Oh, I never thought of that, but it's so easy. Of course I can do that. Of course I can do that. One of my, my kind of, you know, sound bites for the imperfect conservationist is that small actions drive big change and because they're achievable and they catch on. Megan, this has been just great reconnecting with you. I loved working with you um, when you were running the ambassador program. I love following you with your adventures and it's always a pleasure to um, hang out with someone else in Colorado who has such a strong ocean connection and ocean tie. Likewise. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for being with Thank us. You, Megan. Congratulations on all of your successes. Rising Tide is a production of Blue Frontier with hosts David Helberg and support from Natasha Benjamin, Ellie Curlow, and myself, Vicki Nichols Goldstein. Rising Tide's editing services and additional technical support are provided by studio Kate May of San Diego, California. The theme song is written and performed by Ethan Kenbar. You can find Rising Tide, the ocean podcast at www.bluefront.org or download it anytime from Apple, Google, or Spotify. Off in the salty ocean, off where the waves are free. The sparkling water rises, then crashes to the sea. Out amongst the breakers, you'll have no need to fear. It's true. It's the blue frontier, tear, tear, tear.
up the ocean, off to the blue frontier. Sparky, come here, buddy. Sparky, there you are. Good boy, Sparky. <laughs> <laughs>